Hey listeners, here we are, coming up to the end of 2019, and I just want to say thank you so much for uh, continuing to support the podcast over the past year, how we've gone over a few changes, how I've taken on the role of being host most of the time, and none of you seem to hate that, so thank you so much. And uh, we're going to close out 2019 with some old favorites from the podcast, so stay tuned, and for now, let's uh, dive into what's going on at the website. If you haven't seen it on the site, we got a contest going on, first and foremost. Uh, Wargroove and Vampire are being given away on the PS4, The Surge 2 for the Xbox One, and a copy of A Plague Tale Innocence for the PC. If you want to check out any of these titles, uh, this is a good way to go about it. I mean, I personally have played uh, plenty of Wargroove and thoroughly enjoy it, so I can definitely recommend that one. And all the others look great. Plague Tale has been on my want list for a bit as well. So the contest is going on until January 1st, so please get over to the website, click on the button, enter it, and uh, see what you win. There's been no new features, but it, since we're coming up to 2020, I did want to remind folks that that awesome Top 25 RPGs of the 2010s has uh, been out for a little bit, and if you're curious what RPG fan finds to be some of the best RPGs of the past decade, more or less, then go give that article a read and see what all our contributors had in there. Contrary to Jano's disdain for Romancing Saga 3, uh, Lana Haggs reviewed Saga Scarlet Grace Ambitions and seemed to really like it a lot. So go check out her review up on the site and uh, maybe this is the saga for you to get in on because uh, this one definitely clicked. I talked about it a little bit on the podcast. Zach Wilkerson did his review of Hero Land, which, uh, yeah, I agree. It's, it's not great, unfortunately. We also, in tandem with his written review, got out a video review based on his words as well. So if you want to consume that either way, we got you covered. Over in the music department, Brave Wave published the Resurrection Panzer Dragoon Saga 20th Anniversary Arrangement soundtrack, and Neil Shandrian gave it a listen, going back to some retro Sega Saturn tunes, and so far it seems to stack pretty well from what he had to say about it. So it's an hour of some beautiful music, and I recommend you uh, go give it a listen. That's it, folks. We got a whole bunch of end of year features and such coming out the gates in the coming weeks, so stay tuned on the website for that. And for all your other news, reviews, and more, go to RPGFan.com. Now on to the final episode of 2019, Random Encounter 177. Hello listeners, welcome back to another episode of Random Encounter. This is episode 177, the last episode of 2019, trying to squeak it in just before we finished off the month, and I have brought back some wonderful folks. Uh, the band, you may say, is brought back together. Uh, Kaylin Argyros, welcome back. It's been a while. It has been a while. Happy holidays to everybody. I'm glad to be back. And also glad to have another Mike on the mic. Mike Solosi, welcome back. It's great to be back, Greg. Thank you. It's been a while since we've had you on Random. Uh, yeah, I think it was the summertime. I'm not sure exactly. I've I've been busy with other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do tell. Well, okay, uh, that's a story for another time. Exactly, a story for the end of the episode. 
Uh, you can uh, skip the entire episode if you want to hear what Mike has to say about Retro Encounter. Uh, anyways, moving forward with this podcast, though, we've uh, got a few things to talk about coming up to the end of the year. We have some some speculations, some resolutions, some possible predictions. I don't know. At the end of the year, people just want to figure out what's coming up next. It's kind of human nature to always want to know what is around the corner, I guess. It's not often we're just content with just being like, I'm good here in the present as much as we all try to be mindful and present. It doesn't always work out. But that being said, we have been playing some games. We've had some great news. I don't know, folks, what do you want to talk about? Great news first or great games first? That's a really tough decision. I don't know. Well, considering your enthusiasm for uh, a certain series uh, last time you were on, Caitlin, let's just... I not, Yeah, let's just pick it right up, going right back to uh, the Trails series. Some announcements were made recently with, uh, I don't actually, I'm going to let you pronounce it because I probably will butcher both the names. Well, Zero is pretty obvious. So we had Zero and then, what's the other one called? Ow. Ow. It is Ow. Ow. Hiseki. And right now they're being localized, or not localized, but just kind of re-released. We hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. Zero no Kiseki and Ao no Kiseki were PSP games that came out in the late 2000s, and this is the uh, announcement for the Kai versions of both of them. Kai meaning like strong or great, and uh, the, the, so it's coming to Japanese PS4s in 2020. In the spring of 2020 yep. is when they're they're going to be releasing them. Um. So yeah, this is um. This is, I actually was going to leave with the other game because, like, I, this this is uh, honestly I'm more excited about this than the announcement of the next game in the series because uh, we've been missing these games for a long time. It's been a glaring hole in the series uh, outside of Japan, and the biggest reason why the biggest like you know uh, roadblock to localizing the games is just the platforms that they were on because they were on old, you know, uh, defunct platforms, and the PC ports weren't reliable because, well, Falcom didn't do the PC port of OW, so it was difficult to uh, try to think about porting these, or, sorry, it was difficult to try thinking about localizing these games because, you know, you, what what system would you put them on? You can't, you can't bring them to PSP, you can't bring them to Vita, you could bring one of them to PC, but the other one is not by Falcom. So it, there were legal issues. There were, you know, uh, uh, logistical issues in, you know, thinking about trying to get these games out uh, west. And now they're going to be ported to PS4, which makes things a lot more uh, realistic in terms of localizing. It should be much easier for these games to get picked up by a publisher out here to, to be localized. And uh, I think. Kondo even uh, was recently asked about this, and he specifically mentioned, uh, apart from people wanting to play the games, that they also have never been released in English. So it seems likely that getting the games out to the West was part of the consideration in doing these ports now. And that's fantastic because they're both great games. I think everyone who's a fan of the series will enjoy playing them. It uh, We don't quite know, of course, like, when we're going to get them it hasn't been announced uh that we're that we're getting them at all but i think it's uh, just a matter of time uh instead of a matter of if um but when, when we do get them it'll be great because it'll provide a lot of context that fans have been missing uh for the series and for specifically for cold steel 3 and hopefully cold steel 4 which i'm hoping comes out in 2020 they are going to be they're just updated remaster ports they're not going to be like a remake so it's going it's basically it'll look 
very much similar to like the original PSP versions of the game, uh, but with some added benefits like a turbo mode, being able to skip cutscenes, um, uh, UI improvements. They mentioned that the voice, the the games would be fully voiced. Now the evolution versions of the game were voiced, and it's not clear if they mean that they're just going to use the evolution voices or if they're going to do something else. But um, assuming that that would stick around for uh, a hopeful localization, that'd be really great because uh, the voices in, in the uh, the evolution versions of the, the games have been a really great addition. And are those the PC ports, the evolution ones? No, those are... The those evolution are, games are on Vita. Those were PS3 ports, um, at least for Trails in the Sky. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. There were Vita ports of Trails in the Sky, which were, P- which were PSP games. And uh, yeah. for some additional context, I mean, Trails fans will know this, but uh, th- th- these are the two games referred to as the Crossbell games, because that's the city where they're both set. And in the greater uh, Trails Kiseki cycle, um, Trails of Cold Steel 3 is game number 8 in the this grander series, and uh, Trails of Cold Steel 4 is game number 9. But these are the games 4 and 5 that have never uh, come out in, in in English officially yet, so... For uh, several years, fans that been had, that have been following this series well can play games one through three, and uh, and six through eight. But they were missing a lot, like Caitlin said, a lot of the context in four, games four and five, which take place roughly at the same time as games six and seven, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they're mm. they're playing concurrently with Cold Steel one and two. So uh, people, mm. yeah, people that were playing Cold Steel one and two but haven't played these were hearing about events in the two Crossbell games while they were playing Cold Steel one or two. So th- uh, this is a like some missing puzzle pieces that worldwide fans should be very very interested in. I'm 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 extremely excited for these, and uh, they have a reputation for being excellent among uh, among the fans in general. So I am. As someone who has played three Trails games and enjoyed all three, I'm really excited to hopefully eventually get to these in English, uh, like, should they be localized? And I share uh, Caitlin's optimism. I think it's a matter of time and not a matter of if. And back in the summer, like, just before Cold Steel 3 released, Scott, uh, over at our Twitch channel, played through uh, Zero, I believe, on the Twitch mm-hmm. channel yeah, I think he, I think he played through fan translations of both of them. Yeah with uh, some approval uh, and I think had his hands on the Japanese versions, but yeah, he did the fan translations just to kind of help fill in those gaps a bit for people who are watching, but it'll be nice for people to actually have a proper translation for themselves. And it, yeah, I I think it's going to be definitely a question of when, because it just seems to make good sense. I mean, cold steel three didn't launch as strongly as cold steel two did, but it's still selling well and it reviewed high. Yeah. I think there's a reason why these games are coming to PS4 and they instead of say them starting with the Sky trilogy because if they really if that was what their goal was just to get all the games on PS4 and they weren't concerned at all with potentially getting these games out west then it would have made I think more sense to maybe you know port the Sky trilogy to PS4. They those games are on PS3 but I don't know. PS3 is is you know they've moved on to PS4, and if that was really just the concern of having all of the games on one system, you'd think that they would start with the Sky Trilogy. But starting with Zero and Ow is a really good move in terms of having some version of all the games theoretically, should they get localized, available outside of Japan. So I don't know. I'm maybe I'm I'm reading a little bit into the decision to 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 do this with Zero and Ow as opposed to like starting with Sky first. But like, I'm I'm hoping I'm right. Like, I'm I'm hoping that 
a major consideration for this is, hey, let's put these games in a format so that they can be e- easily localized. Because because you all need to play. If you're if you're fans of the series, yeah, you need to play these games. And then with that, there was then the announcement of a new game, which I almost yes. forgot. But you, uh, yeah, go ham. Hajimari, Hajimari. no Kiseki. So this is the new, the next game in the series. It takes place after Trails of Cold Steel 4. It's not the beginning of the next arc. It's going to be a bridge game. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of be similar to Trails in the Sky the Third, mm-hmm. which was basically a bridge game between the Sky games and uh, the Crossbell games, and even set up some elements uh, for the Erebonia arc as well. So... We'll get a lot of. We should get some some you know great backstory tidbits. We'll get some some info on what's happening since the the end of Cold Steel Four, and we'll probably get some really uh, cool hints and and lead up into the next arc, wherever that arc may be. But it sounds like it's going to be kind of a cool uh, experience because it's going to feature not one, not two, but three protagonists. The, the labels for the protagonist are a hero, a liberator, and, and a hermit. And we know that uh, Reen is going to be the hero, and Lloyd from the Crossbow Games will be the liberator. And we don't, we don't know who the hermit is. He's a mysterious figure, but we'll presumably find more out uh, about that as we get closer to the game coming out. And along with three protagonists are going to be three storylines uh, taking place presumably at least at some point concurrently and giving players the option to jump back and forth between them. Uh, They're calling this a cross story system uh, because you'll be able to jump across stories to see events from different perspectives. Um, We don't know like how freely you can do this, whether it's something you can do at will or if you need to like reach a milestone or a checkpoint or, you know, if you, something like they have chapters and you have to do it, like, in between chapters. But it sounds like a really cool concept to not only tell the story, but to, you know, uh, mix up gameplay. Like, change settings, change characters, stuff like that. Keeps it fresh. It's, like, uh, also momentarily relevant. Uh, I think Kyle's playing Front Mission 3 for mm-hmm. the uh, the site on Twitch, and that was one that had two different storylines from two different character perspectives. And while it's fun for the replay value to go kind of back through, it would have been nice just to be able to like swap back and forth and be like, meanwhile, let's see what they're doing, because that's basically what happens at one point. It just kind of diverges, and then you never really go back to the other side of it until they kind of all meet up, and are like, this is kind of what we were up to. This sounds a lot like the game that I that I recently finished, in fact, <laughs> jumping between different storylines and different and different characters. But we, that, that, we can save that for later in the episode. Fair enough. Speaking of characters, there are going to be over 50 playable characters in this game, guys. Yeah. Um, Which probably means just about everybody from the previous arcs and a, a few additional new characters. Trails in the Sky 3rd brought back like every playable character from the previous two games, plus a handful of new ones, plus at least one reformed villain. So yeah, th- this is definitely going to be a, you know, a uh, just a a clown fiesta of every single character that that's been around plus some new ones. And I suspect that it's going to be, you won't have all 50 at all times. They'll probably be split up amongst the three uh, storylines and the three protagonists with the potential maybe to have like a mega fest of everybody at the end for like the final dungeon or the final boss or something like that. So I, I don't expect it to be like super unmanageable in that sense, but still, that's that's a lot. That's really 
a lot of characters, but I'm looking forward to seeing hopefully all of my favorite characters from the past three arcs uh, in this game and getting to, to see what they're up to. And, and maybe like, I don't know, uh, they mentioned episodic uh, uh, content in, in this, whether that means like the storylines are going to be composed of episodes or if it means something like the the, uh, the doors from Trails in the Sky the Third that let you view events and background for characters or for the world at your leisure. So maybe it's something like we'll actually get to see some, some, some backstory, some lore. And like the name is, you know, it Hajimari no Kiseki is like li- loosely trails of origins or trails of the beginning. And that makes me wonder, well, what does that mean? Are we going to learn some details, some more details about say the great collapse or, you know, maybe some details about Ouroboros that we haven't really gotten yet or something like that. So there's, I think, potential for some really cool uh, plot developments uh, and setup for future arcs. So I'm like, this is, I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting to hear about a new game. I wasn't expecting to hear about three games. Uh, the new game sounds really cool. It's great that uh, Zero and Kiseki or Zero and Al are getting ported, uh, especially for us in the West, because it it the 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 chances of us getting these games has jumped overnight from abysmal to sky high at this point. So it's been a very good week for Trails fans, and uh, hopefully the good news continues next month at PAX South. Nisa is having a panel there. Mm. There's been some suggestion that they might be announcing a uh, a PC port of Cold Steel Three. It's possible possibility. the The wording of their their uh, panel is suggestive. Basically, it, it's a panel about porting games to PC, and it mentions some of your favorites like Trails of Cold Steel Three. So maybe we find out about a port coming out alongside this at uh, the same time as the uh, the Switch port that's coming out in the spring. I'm really hopeful that maybe they'll announce Cold Steel 4 localization because they announced Cold Steel 3's localization at this year's PAX South in Jan- uh, this past January. So, crossing my fingers. I haven't bought Trails of Cold Steel 3 yet, mostly because I haven't finished uh, Trails of Cold Steel 2, but I think I might wait and see on that Switch port that's coming out soon and see how, and see yeah. how it runs. And if it runs very, very nicely, I might go that way. But uh, you know, PS, PS4 and PC are considerations. We're uh, Trails fans outside Japan are, are are very optimistic for many reasons, and uh, and that's that's exciting. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a good time to be a Trails fan right now. So well, yeah, and now I guess it is crucial to have played kind of everything before, though, if they're introducing basically everybody from the series, because obviously, no one with that many characters, they can't really give everybody exposition and growth and development yeah, even though it's called trails of the beginning or trails of origins i don't think it's an ideal first game to play uh, for for, no. for all of those reasons and more <laughs> no yeah which i guess the trails third would have been the same too so other news that came out that uh also the two of you are pretty stoked about in general since you're both actively playing final fantasy 14 i am not playing it actively i am on break for I, I'm on break from it, but I will uh, I will probably be getting back into it in the new year. Well, Caitlin, I'm sure you've been on top of it because we had the, the five was a 5.1 patch release came out, which happened after the last time you were on the episode and talking about all the good stuff that was in. Uh, oh, wow. I'm like uh, Shadowbringers. Uh, it came out at the end of October. And I think 
we we had an episode right around then, but I think we uh, I was talking so much about Cold Steel Three that I didn't have time to to mention it. Um, so I'll just it's old news for people who are like playing the game religiously at this point. But I'll just brief little overview about that. So Patch Five Point One came out at the end of October. Um, this added, of course, some new main story content, uh, a little bit of, uh, development in the, uh, the story of Shadowbringers, uh, largely just focused around, well, what do we do now? How do we get the, uh, the Scions home and giving us a little taste of things that are happening on the source. And there's some interesting developments that are looking to ramp up to like, really really uh uh, bad stuff potentially happening so we'll see more about what that means going forward there was a new main story dungeon uh related this patch which is okay it wasn't like it was cute and it was there was a few there were a few boss mechanics i thought were kind of fun but it was also kind of forgettable so it's not really gonna be up there in my list of favorite dungeons and you know i don't know it's it's only the first post-patch so there's a lot of room for better dungeons uh they introduced the first beast tribe for shadowbringers the pixies this is a dp this is a, a disciples of war and magic beast tribe so it's your your combat classes what's a beast tribe being the pixies like what does that mean so every uh expansion and of course Rome reborn itself had beast tribes these are Monsters isn't the right word, but they're basically the the monster-like races of Eorzea that aren't uh, part of normal civilized society. And in some cases, um, they are good versions, good factions of uh, races that you fight or you, you, you go up against otherwise in the main story. So things like uh, from Realm Reborn, you had the Amalja they're like these gigantic cat people um or you had uh let's see uh final uh, fantasy fans the... might be familiar with moogles from heaven's word moogles yeah from heaven's word oh the moogles well uh, their quests were fine the uh the the moogle beast tribe quests were fine it's the uh it's the side story moogle quests in heaven's word that were stupid um but yeah moogles from heaven's word uh in Stormblood had like the Namazu, which was a crafting uh, beast tribe, and they're basically just story oriented. They're not obviously playable. Yeah, no, you 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 uh, you're basically helping uh, members of a of a faction of these these races uh, establish themselves or or achieve a goal or something, and you get experience from completing quests. You get uh, you get currency that you can use to buy items, including things like minions and mounts from them. Um, and you, you know, get a little bit of like uh, cute story uh, details as you help them out. Um, so they're worthwhile quests to pursue to get some extra bonus content. They are great for leveling up. Um, in fact, that's primarily what I was doing um, leading up to uh, Shadowbringer's release. I was trying was trying really hard. Uh, to get my crafters leveled, and one of the things I was doing was basically trying to do uh, the the crafting beast tribe quests from uh, every expansion that I had access to um, to help level my crafters a little bit. Uh, because every from a realm we're born on, every expansion has had uh, a crafting beast tribe, um, and that will eventually be the case with Shadowbringers. But Pixies uh, are a uh, uh, a DPS uh, or a, a battle class uh, B 
Beast Drive. They have such a cute little hub. Um, it's adorable. It's a dreamland that you get to build up as you progress uh, uh, the story of the Beast Tribe. Um, and you get it, it's it's like full of like candy and various different uh, cool little like playgrounds and, and pavilions and a, eventually a big, beautiful uh, uh, like cherry tree or, or cherry blossom tree. Um, it's honestly kind of like my favorite little hub area to, to go uh, and play around in. Um, so it's it's cool. I like it. Um, and we'll see, you know what future uh, Beast Tribes in, in uh, Shadowbringers are like. Um, the other things from Pipe 5.1 were uh, the, the new Extreme Trial, which, um, as is tradition, it's an extreme uh, version of the final trial from 5.0, from, from the main patch. Uh, um, this is an okay fight. Um, traditionally, the Extreme version of the final story trial is one of the hardest fights out of the entire extreme uh, uh, trial series for the expansion and Haiti, the, this, this trial is, it's, it's okay. It's harder than the extreme trials that were, that came with uh, the main patch, but it doesn't to my mind add up to the difficulty experienced from heaven's word. And uh, why am I blanking? My words? Stormblood. Heaven's word and Stormblood's first or you know story story bait story trial extreme mode so i don't know your mileage will of course vary i'm at this point i'm you know doing i'm doing savage raids i'm i'm eating extreme trials for breakfast so my perspective on difficulty might be a little skewed versus versus uh, our listeners so but it's a new decently challenging trial to uh, to take on uh, to get things like weapons and music and amount. And uh, thankfully, you get two totems per clear. So um, totems are what you use to turn in for uh, weapons. And eventually, down the road, like a couple patches later, we'll be able to buy them out with them. Um, so it's very nice that they gave, you, uh, gave us two totems uh, per clear, because it's kind of a long fight. Um, the other main things would be the uh, 24-man uh, series, which is near-themed this time. I really love this dungeon. I love the music. It's got, you know, it's great, got great near music, including a really nice uh, um, remix of a main piece of music from Automata, uh, combined with a really nice, clever use of the prelude theme from Final Fantasy. It's a fun series of fights that I really enjoy. I think I mentioned in my review that I actually, I, I kind of uh, have been running it more than once a week, uh, not necessarily to get drops, but just because it's a fun little uh, series of fights uh, to run through. The story is fairly rudimentary at this point. Like it's just an introduction. You you meet a few characters, some of whom are going to you know, obviously be from from uh, automata you get an introduction to the uh, story dungeon and you get a little bit of a, a send-off um obviously we'll, we'll learn more going forward i'm looking forward to playing automata uh in the near future so i can have better context for this dungeon and um hopefully by a time that we get the next leg of this in 5.3 um i'll I'll know all the ins and outs and I'll be able to like recognize little, you know, uh, story nods and whatnot. Um, but it's good. 
like they're definitely continuing from what i can tell they're definitely continuing the high quality from stormblood with the uh, the, the evilly raids. Uh, it's it seems like they're kind of they're it's they're going to do the same thing here with near and uh for near fans i think that is that is awesome um the other uh battle content that got added uh with 5.1 or rather right after 5.1 was the new ultimate trial which is the epic of alexander and just like all the other ultimates i have no interest whatsoever in doing this content it is this is the punishing level of difficulty for the uh, for the raids for the eight man raids and i think it's cool that's there for people who really are interested in that i'm fine with savage difficulty uh so it looks cool, but I don't think I'm going to want to be doing it anytime soon. And then last but not least, the Ishgard restoration began uh, with 5.1, uh, shortly after 5.1. And this is what a lot of people assume is we're basically rebuilding what will eventually become a housing district in Ishgard. And I, you know, I think based on the appearance of the area, yeah, that's that's a pretty good guess. People have been clamoring for Ishgard housing forever, and this is kind of a cool way to get it by having uh, uh, crafters and gatherers uh, involved in actually rebuilding that housing district. Um, it has a lot of experience that it ga- that it gets you. Tur- doing turn-ins for Ishgard gets a lot of sweet EXP, so it's it's very useful for leveling your crafters. Uh, it's just a lot of fetching, though, or is it fetching and building, or I guess crafting rather? It's and then turning. It's in? it's both. So you have to. You can, of course, buy materials off the market board if you don't want to do the gathering, but you can gather all the materials that you are used for crafting, and they don't they don't provide any of those materials for you. So you have to either gather them yourself or buy them off the market board. And then you do on a crafter, you would craft the uh, the item and turn it in. Um, the way the system worked is that for every like every little section of progress, uh, you fill up a meter by everybody uh, on that server who's participating, doing turn-ins, doing craft uh, collectible crafting turn-ins. And once you reach a certain amount of supplies, then you would trigger the the countdown for a group fate where everybody who's in that instance in that that area can participate. Uh, it was a really simple fate. It wasn't anything special. I think we all thought that it was going to be something cool, like having to work cooperatively with people to craft materials. But all it was about was clicking three different places, one after the other. So um, Square, step up your game, maybe in the future, because it was it was a great way to level because it guaranteed you a level up every time you did it. So it was worthwhile doing it, but it was incredibly simple so i'm hoping that the next one will be a little bit different and that's kind of the thing they 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 they, you know this is this content is in part designed to help people level their crafters uh that's why the experience is so good um because crafting is a lot you have a you know a bunch of classes just on the crafter side alone then you throw in the three gatherers and you have a lot of classes to level and it's a little intimidating i think for new people to come in even now that they've you know um uh, revised crafting to make it a bit simpler and easier to, to to manage 
it's still intimidating to have to level all these different jobs. So having this content there as an option, in addition to things like leave quests and custom deliveries and stuff like that, uh, to help you level your crafters is great. I've been taking advantage of it to level my crafters, so I will definitely get my my uh, my crafters leveled a lot faster than I would have otherwise. But so you know, it is what it is. It's it went by really quickly. Um, all the worlds uh, on all the servers, um, they they hit the, uh, the 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 limits, the uh, the milestone limit for this leg of the restoration within about a week or so of it being released. So there, you know, there's that. Like you can still do turn-ins, but there's no more group fates until the next leg. So I'm, I'm not sure if they quite anticipated how quickly people were going to progress through this. Um, and maybe that's an adjustment that they'll make in the future too, but we'll see. Uh, but speaking of the future, cause that was, that was a whole long spiel there. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's a lot to cover and yeah. who else knows it best. Uh, so last Friday they had a live letter. Uh, it's part of their, they had a 14 hour, uh, broadcast, not all live letter, but a 14 hour broadcast. A lot of it was, uh, showing a, a, a Mahjong tournament that they were doing, but they had a live letter uh, where they went over some of the details of what's coming in patch 5.2. Uh, we have a name for the patch. It is Echoes of a Fallen Star, and it's going to be coming out mid-February 2020, which is about what we expected based on uh, past uh, post-expansion patches. Um, obviously will involve more main story and there is going to be a new story dungeon, uh, related to that. Uh, they showed us, uh, artwork. I think it was art and not a render, um, of that new story dungeon. And it looks really pretty. It looks like it's going to be in the area of the, of the, the last, uh, area from main, uh, from the main patch, which I, I won't, well, at this point I can probably say it's, in, it's going to be in the Tempest more, more than like. Um, whether or not that'll mean it's related to events that happen in Tempest, I don't know, but it looks like it's going to be like an underwater palace or building or something like that. And so it might be really pretty. We're getting a new beast tribe, the Katari. Um, this is a gathering beast tribe and that's really cool because there has not been a gathering beast tribe. Uh, uh the, uh, all of the previous beast tribes that were not for battle classes were crafters. And while you could, you could do some things with them on gathers, like for instance, the, uh, the, uh, Ixali beast tribe in a realm reborn, some of the quests would actually have you be doing things on your gatherers, uh, small, like easy, really stuff. Um, but the main, the main turn-ins and the experience was always on a crafter class. So this is really cool that we'll actually get a beast tribe that lets gatherers level. I need it very badly because I've been focusing on my botanist and ignoring my miner and my fisher. So this will be a really good opportunity to get those leveled. Um, so this will be cool. Uh, we're going to have, and this is the part that Mike's going to be really excited to talk about, the new Chronicles of a New Era quest, which is, in other words, the uh, the new trials that are going to be coming, the uh, the story and the extreme trials. Uh, every expansion has had a series of three trials uh, related to side stories, and uh, Shadowbringers is going to be, apparently it's going to be the weapons from Final Fantasy VII, starting with Ruby Weapon. That's right. Um, 
sounds right. Uh, basically, the two, the two trial series from Heavensward and Stormblood were uh, three enormous boss battles with a lot of cool story stuff surrounding them. There was a lot of uh, there were some story sort of sequence instances in Heavensward and two extra two dedicated dungeons in Stormblood. That's uh and uh, and they didn't really have uh, a similarly set up trial series in Realm Reborn for Realm Reborn. The uh, the the special optional trials were uh, mostly tied to the main story. They had uh, they had four of them plus two sort of cap off story trials plus a uh, a sixth one that was truly optional that they adapted from a fate. It's it's complicated, but but <laughs> but this is um uh, this is the equivalent of the four lords quests from Stormblood or the warring triad quests from FF six. Uh, I'm sorry, the warring triad quests from Heavensward, which are the three statues from FF6, and uh, the and the the Stormblood were the four lords, uh, uh, Biako, Genbu, Suzaku, uh, Seiryu from uh, from uh, from Chinese folklore that were also bosses in Final Fantasy XI. Uh, they got their dedicated story in Stormblood, so we don't know uh, what the context of this story is, but we know that it will be th- minimum three big boss battles that are weapons from Final Fantasy VII. Um, I mean, logically, that would be ruby, emerald, and diamond, but there could be sapphire weapon slash capital letters weapon, or they they could uh I don't bring back a new version of Ultima weapon, even though that was that's already been a boss in the Final Fantasy fourteen story. Um, but but full disclosure, um, Warring Triad and Four Lords are maybe my two favorite side quests in all of Final Fantasy fourteen. I have not played as uh, much of the game as Caitlin has. I uh I I've mostly been focusing on content clearing, so I've done a lot of Mains, I've done almost all the main story dungeons and trials uh, through Stormblood, and only, but I only played the beginning of Shadowbringers, and I haven't done a lot of side stuff related to crafting or gathering uh, or um, several other side quests. But because I loved the previous two trial series so much, I was maybe more excited than usual to uh, get an announcement for the Shadowbringers trial series. And I think that FF7 weapons are a great choice. They can definitely design some cool boss battles and deliver some cool musical themes for all of those. Uh, the, the music, uh, maybe not all of the music tracks in boss battles, but uh, the previous trial series had really cool boss designs and really cool music for the most part. I'm particular to the Seiryu boss, uh, boss battle music in Stormblood. That's a really good one. Yeah, that was yeah, fun. That's a really good one. Um, but they get really creative with these boss battles and uh, and these side quests, and I'm really excited for the Shadowbringers trial series, if and when I eventually get to level 80 content in FF14, because uh, it's get- you'll get there. Yeah, I'll, I'll get there. I have a there there is I have three jobs at level 70, so I'll, I'll, once I get back into the game, I will get well and one job at level 71. I'll get right back into uh, the game. Probably early in January, because uh, also with this announcement, they announced a free login campaign. Yes. So uh, people that are that have let their subscriptions lapse, like me, or people that just that haven't been playing in ages, or people that just want to get into the game new, uh, can have five free days of Final Fantasy fourteen um, whenever they want. Uh, with the window of that five days being, I believe it's between. Uh, December thirteenth and January fourteenth, or uh, around then. It's like a basically a full. That sounds yeah, right. A yeah. full month from mid December to mid January. So I'm going to try and have my five days land in early January and just play as much storm. Uh, excuse me, play as much Shadowbringers as I can. See, I may see? have to dabble as well and see how the it's handles on my yeah, new system because I wanted to boot it up back when, but because 
I activated my account during like one of those trial periods, it didn't count towards the you have to have a brand new account if you actually want to play all the way up to level 30. Oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I technically had a paid account before, I'm not allowed to go back and yeah. do that. Yeah. Which was rather yeah. frustrating, and I don't want it's to It's level a 35. One. If you have a new account, you can do any contact, any content up to level 35 uh, for free under normal circumstances. But you, uh, you, your timing was weird, so you, you don't get that free trial. That sucks. Yeah, no so free trial not. for you. But this this uh, five days free login campaign uh, until mid January, uh, I think, should be able to work for you. So that that'll give you um, a five day window of your choosing to play FF14 again, which is yeah. which is something I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, at, again, right around New Year's, I think, personally. So that's the that's the trial series. There's more. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to have so the next leg of the uh, the Eden Raid series in 5.2. Uh, they showed again. Uh, I think it was artwork of a uh, one of the battle arenas that had a bunch of lightning. So you guys can speculate as to which uh, primal we're possibly going to be fighting. There's there's only, there's probably only one right answer. Um, I saw some people throwing uh, throwing out Ixion, but I think we all know it's probably going to be Ralu because yeah, um, the the previous uh, leg of the Eden raids gave us fancy versions of previously fought primals. So so yeah. I, I think this is going to be, I mean, it'll be four encounters, uh, presumably, but one of them is probably Fancy Ramu. Yeah, it's probably going to be Fancy Ramu. Mm-hmm. If, if they're doing it, and they, they usually do, if they do the same pattern, the first leg had two original fights and two, you know, like as Mike said, two fancier versions of primals that have already been fought in the Final Fantasy XIV fancy story. Is, so fancy is the technical term, of course. Yeah. I just wanted to have a top hat and a monocle now. You you can get a monocle. I I'm pretty sure there's a top there's a top hat. There too, is, yeah, so... the, um, there there's a top hat. As long as I can get Remo to wear oh, it. Oh the the top hat that I have is the level sixty Shire gear for mages. So I my, my black mage has a top hat. But I don't know if you can do Ooh. them at the same time because mm. they would both be That's true, gear. yeah. I'm not sure about that either. So you might you might have to choose what's more important to you. <laughs> Choose your weapon, that, that, top that, hat that, or that monocle. Level sixty black mage top hat looks pretty good, though. And I, I, I vouch for it. I was gonna say you're a stage magician. That's rad. Um, so speaking of equipment, we are gonna be getting uh, relic weapons uh, in five point two. They did not really go into a lot of detail as to how it's gonna work out, but I guess we'll see if it's gonna be uh, a newer version of Eureka from Stormblood, or if they're gonna go back to like you know doing. Um, uh, building up uh, uh, charges or currency or whatnot by running old content. Um, they there there is going to be another. This was part one of their their five point two live letters. So we'll have another live letter closer to the patch coming out that will I guess give us more details about that. Um, there's going to be of course more Ishgard restoration. They specifically mentioned that there would be some high end content for crafters coming in this. So the crafting in existing Ishgard restoration was really is pretty easy. Like um, you can you can still macro it and and you know sleep sleep through it. So presumably that means there'll be some uh, difficult recipes with the next one um, for people who are like at level eighty and and want to. Um, I guess they would be doing it to build script or to get other bonuses and whatnot. Um, they're going to introduce the ranking system that they were talking about uh, at, at some point uh, along with this patch. So we'll see, you know, how that works. And they mentioned that they're going to be reworking uh, Diadem from Heaven's Word. 
But for gatherers, there will be no enemies to fight or that will aggro you. And you will, the idea that they had was you would kind of move around the islands in a circular fashion, gathering materials and potentially using items to find rare materials. And that'll be a thing. And uh, I'm, again, alongside the, the gathering beast tribe that they're introducing, I'm like, I'm liking the, the love here for my gatherers that I will finally have more options to level. So that's cool. And alongside that, of course, will be some other crafting and gathering updates um, that should make things easier, uh, even easier uh, and more transparent for crafting. Um, And then they mentioned this, this little random thing that is cool. They're going to bring umbrellas to the game. We're getting umbrellas, guys. And like, I'm not sure what they mean. Like, it's just going to be a piece of equipment that you use at Glamour, or if it's going to be something that you can just like, like an emote or whatnot. Just a little parasol. But yeah. We're getting umbrellas. That's that's a thing. That's cool. So and just when you make peach now. Yeah. Oh yeah. It would be cool if you could like fly with it too, or like mm. Mary Poppins. Cue cue somebody you know glamoring their character to look like Yondu and going, "I'm Mary Poppins, y'all." Yeah, no kidding. It's gonna happen. There's there's somebody out there who has a character that's either named Yondu or is some horrible combination of I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, trying to fit it into a first-name, last-name structure. Or they could do it where um, it's just a new Disciple of War class, and you're like from the uh, you're like John Steed from the Avengers or or one of the characters, oh, or, or one of the characters from Kingsman, and just, and yes. just having stylish umbrella duels. Yes. Uh, I support this. Oh, that'd be so cool. They could also have, like, I don't know, like a, um, uh, not a gunbreaker, but a, a machinist weapon that's like, uh, like penguins, oh, yeah. an, an, uh, like parasol a, a, yeah, with the gun. Umbrella machine gun, like a. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the possibilities are endless. Umbrellas will change everything. And that's, that's all I have to talk about when, when it comes to Final Fantasy XIV. I, I, I left off with the most exciting piece of news, and that is umbrellas. Which could also change nothing if they're just glamours. Yeah, it but, could be a glamour for a for a gunbreaker having a, a gunbrella weapon. Where when they when yes. they when they cast, when they, so when they cast heart of stone or something, <laughs> they uh, the umbrella opens like a shield. Yes, I like it. Do it, yeah. Square. Well, moving forward, since uh, due to technical issues, we do have a truncated episode. Let's talk about the future uh, with a little quick uh, touch on uh, the past. So, twenty nineteen, uh, we often complained always amongst ourselves about too many games and too many good games uh what uh what's uh, let's just pick one good highlight from 2019 what's one 2019 title uh mike that you're glad that you got to get done during 2019 uh this is the game that i've finished most recently and i am i uh we haven't finished all of our game of the year stuff but i think this is my personal game of the year and that is ai the somnium files Right, which came out back uh, September 17th. Audra reviewed it quite Mm -hmm. highly. It it received an editor's choice from Audra, and uh, it took me by surprise a little bit, uh, because I'm a a big fan of Uchi Koshi's other games. This is the guy that wrote uh, uh, Ever 17 and Never 7, and then, and I think another game with a number in it. And then he wrote the Zero Escape trilogy, which is uh, 999, Virtue's Last Reward, and Zero Time Dilemma. And I knew he was making a new game, but it's but the news cycle of when it was coming out and what it was had escaped me a little bit. Like I like I'm sure I I, I read some news about it over a year ago or uh, or so. But 
coming out when it did surprised me. I hadn't really planned for it. It's like, oh, damn, Uchikoshi's new game is out? Oh, okay, I guess I'll get to it eventually. And then it got really strong reviews everywhere, including from our own Audra Bowling. And that made me really interested in it. So I got a copy off a slight discount uh, right after Thanksgiving. And I loved it so much. The game's about 25 or 30 hours, and I beat it in something like 10 days. I was just transfixed the whole time. Uh, so... Uh, fans of the Zeroscape series, fans of uh, adventure games or visual novels, this is excellent. Uh, we were I, we were talking about how um, Hajimaru no Kiseki will have multiple uh, story paths that you can jump between, um, and uh, Uchikoshi's previous games, uh, especially Virtue's Last Reward and Zero Time Dilemma, really really work that gimmick hard. Uh, but um, and, and they sort of explore what that timeline stuff is both from a story perspective and a gameplay perspective more heavily in the in the zero escape series basically the somnium files is a murder investigation where there is a killer who is leaving corpses around town and removing one eye of the corpse so they're called they're being called the cyclops killer and uh you the main character are a detective named date who uh lost an eye in a mysterious incident six years ago that you're not, and you're not sure why so are the are the two things related maybe um, but in place of your missing eye, you have uh, an artificial intelligence eyeball whose name is Iba, which is short for AI eyeball. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and she's basically a sassy anime girl that lives in your brain and, uh, and talks and works out cases with you. And also gives you some eye powers like, uh, like zooming in far di long distances or limited x-ray vision or, lim or limited infrared vision. So you explore crime scenes and, uh, and interview suspects and witnesses uh, with you know Detective Date and his and his AI partner, and uh, and, and that's sort of half of the sci-fi elements of this RPG. But the other half are during certain situations um, in the story, uh, if there's someone who is who is withholding information during a uh, an interrogation, or is a, a, one early one is a girl who's too traumatized to properly uh, to properly answer questions, you can sort of Inception style enter someone's dreams. And by exploring their dreams in sort of in special puzzle stage uh, stages called somniums, uh, you can sort of um, determine their secrets and get them to and and learn new information. So that sounds cool. It is cool. So it's uh, it, they're they're less intense than the zero escape puzzle rooms. Uh, it, a lot of it's sort of you have to do some adventure game logic like. Uh, you, you, again, these people's psyches are confusing and dreamlike, so it's the, the, things won't always make sense. Um, and and you and you're and you have like time points that you're that are constantly depleting as you take actions within the somnium so that that the, the puzzle is sort of getting to where like doing all the appropriate actions in order while still having time left on the clock uh because like you're uh avoiding spoilers here but um there are con you you're time limited because there's consequences if you stay inside someone's somnium for more than 6 minutes and uh and in these somniums in i think four or five of them there are branching pathways to like depending on how you solve that particular somnium creates new timelines for how the game for how the game progresses it's usually pretty delineated like oh this somnium has a branching path here somewhere so that means there must be two solutions to the puzzle and uh and it's represented when you're in back in the main game and out of the somnium it's represented by uh by like a police cork board with um with with string going between between photos you know like like story paths and the timeline you're on are represented by an by a, like an investigative 
like you, you know connect connected photos on a that you'd seen a police drama or something yeah for sure it's the game had a lot of style going yes. on. like i watched the video review we did of it and it looks super polished. it's very anime but very polished and the uh without again avoiding spoilers there are five endings and to sort of properly experience the whole game they they t- they make you watch all five with with the final one sort of being the true ending and one of the one of the previous four being like the the darkest timeline kind of ending that where where you learn a lot about the main villain but but it's it's just a really really cool murder mystery story with a uh, and Uchi Koshi is a uh, a really cool unique voice in visual novels who who blends um big drama with sci-fi elements beautifully and I don't know if this is my favorite one of his games, but it is at the level of 999 and Virtue's Last Reward. So if you like those, you absolutely should play this. Uh, I wish there were a few fewer jokes about pornography because there are several, <laughs> which is which is you know several too many. But the uh, but this is a game that is uh, funny, but poignant. Uh, so has some really wild twists, and at the and at the um, at certain endings. Um, happy tears were coming to my eyes. So this is a really, really excellent visual novel slash puzzle adventure. And uh, you know, I, now that I'm negotiating it again in my head, I think it probably is my game of the year. That sounds fantastic. I love it when uh, when you can be touched like so personally by something that it affects you just through. Yeah, and game. I feel like such a um such a dummy because uh because I completely forgot this game was coming out in 2019. Like like I remember <laughs> news stuff a while ago when it was being made and then boom suddenly we get an unexpected review from Audra in September and I'm like what this this came out and it and, it, and it's <laughs> awesome. Um I guess I got to budget around this a little bit. And uh it was and um getting it when I did and playing it in uh the first half of December was absolutely the right choice. It, this game's great. That's awesome to hear. I'm glad to hear it too, because I'm pretty sure I'm getting it for Christmas. So, well, who, <laughs> so, yeah. whoever is giving it to you, they are they they have good taste because this game's this game. Rules. Oh, they don't. <laughs> I made an Amazon wish list and gave it to them, and they just bought things off it. Like, and well uh, yeah, I was doing some uh, texting with our mutual mutual friend Alana while we were playing this game, basically at the same time. And uh, I played it on PS4, and she played it on Switch, and it appears to run very well on both platforms. That's good. And to know. I think it, uh, I think it might also be coming out on PC, or already is out on PC. But uh, at, at least the PS4 and Switch versions uh, work okay. Always important. Yeah, exactly. For myself, uh, I really didn't get to play a whole lot of 2019 games, unfortunately, because just it was very busy. Well, I guess we really had a, a big surge of uh i guess remakes and such so i've gotten to play a lot of past games that have just kind of been remade and repurposed for modern consoles which i guess isn't a big problem because it's filling in gaps in my gaming history but i guess like the most modern thing that i've put the most time into was iceborne but honestly what took me most by surprise was um game from 2017 which was thea the awakening i've loosely mentioned on the podcast i still haven't really talked about it because i did a review of it it was ported to the switch And just kind of caught me off guard how cool it was meshing a bunch of different kind of gameplay elements into this really beautifully executed indie game. And it's kind of looks and plays like a Sid Meier's Civilization. Uh, And it's on like a hex kind of layout. And you have a town and you kind of manage the town. So that's one part of it. There's town management, citizen management, a bit of resource management because you can like upgrade it and upgrade your... um, buildings collect more resources to feed the people 
and to put into developing uh, your technology and developing your uh, your buildings. Because also the the more quality ingredients you put into building a building and stuff like that, it uh, will increase the benefits it gives you. So like, you know, on the face value, it's like, oh, just give you X amount of food every turn. But otherwise it could like attract certain characters to join your town if it's made with better quality materials and it gives you a higher score towards your research and towards your uh, global leveling up of all your characters because it again it plays on a turn by turn basis like a strategy uh, game in the vein of civilization but then on the other half of it there's like a turn based RPG aspect where you have your party of your well you have your entire like your settlement of people and you can send them out in expedition parties and essentially they start becoming like your adventuring D&D group that goes out and explores local dungeons or gets into encounters with enemies on the map. Or just has every turn there's a random chance something randomly might happen. It could be an earthquake, you could randomly run into this mysterious elf. And you have to navigate kind of like a uh, like a, a visual novel kind of aspect of a uh, wall of script that's really beautifully narrated by their narrator. And then you get to have choices based on the kind of characters you have in your party. So if you have, happen to have someone who is good at magic, you know, they could try casting a spell to remove a hex on something. Or you could just outright fight the thing or try and talk your way out of it. And all of it goes into, like, this turn-based card game where your characters are split into two halves. Like, one half is the active party. The other half can boost the party. And you're just playing cards back and forth to try and overcome all the challenges, whether it's a fight, whether it's talking magic stealth all of it is interpreted into this card game so it's like a whole bunch of like euro game aspects mixed with like a D adventuring party thrown into like a sid meyer's civilization that sounds really messy and works out beautifully it caught me by surprise like how addicted i became to it because it definitely gives you that one more turn kind of thing and before you know it it's 5 a.m <laughs> i have <laughs> and, been there uh, with sid meyer's games many times in the past and yeah would you would you, oh, yeah. you yes. compare these two <laughs> Well, and that's exactly it, and this definitely did that to me in all the best ways. Like, I I just wanted to keep playing, and and all of it takes place in this kind of like, uh, like Nordic Slavic kind of mythology, and based on kind of that folklore. So like, you have like Baba Yagas that you can come across, and you can actually. But I thought it was really cool when I happened to do something, and I managed to recruit a Baba Yaga to my party. And then the game completely won me over when I randomly recruited a wolf. It's not the like, boogeyman. Get anything to it's join me? It's the one you you call to kill the freaking boogeyman. <laughs> oh, exactly. It was like you you get the boogeyman join. You can get vampires to join. You get orcs. Uh, like all this random stuff. Like I had a random encounter where I happened to like navigate a conversation, so I didn't just outright fight orcs. And then they're just like, "All right, we've done well. You know, meeting between our two people. Let's take this a step further." You give me one of your people, I'll give you one of mine, and we'll call it like a, you know, like a cultural learning experience trade kind of thing. But they were like randomly going to take someone from my party. So it could have been like, I had this like epically awesome dwarf that was just kicking everybody's butt in battle. And I was like, I don't want to lose him, but it's all random. And thankfully they took someone that was okay, but I could stand to lose it. And then I got this orc who was really good in combat. And it was just kind of neat that all your choices, how the outcomes uh, come about. It's got a lot more flexibility in the PC version because they are adding new events a little more uh, regularly and also the community can build events because there's a whole like in-game PC on the PC um, event building thing so you can kind of make your own encounters but the Switch one has like all the expansions on it and it's really neat and it was just yeah completely caught me off guard how awesome it was 
And that was probably like my winner this year, despite how much I really enjoyed diving at Iceborne. Sounds, sounds like a really interesting and great mashup of different things like that you maybe wouldn't expect to work as well as it does, but it, it just it does. Yeah, it, I can't wait to try the second one. I wanted to get to it a lot sooner than I did, but then I started taking out other review projects and such. So because uh, the second one has a bit more clearly budget into it, so a bit more graphic polish, mm-hmm. but it's still it may look a little more like, you know, Civilization three or four dated wise, but it's not <laughs> it, it reads well like it's it's a good looking game despite its slight dated fringes. <laughs> uh, and for yourself, Caitlin, what was your your hot game of 2019? Oh, well, I mean, like, if we're just talking about, like, favorite game, I mean, like, I'm not going to surprise anyone by mentioning things like Final Fantasy XIV and, and Kiseki. <laughs> right. But that's the thing is, I haven't really played a lot this year. I think I, I mentioned this on the last episode I was on. Like, I was doing a, a series playthrough of, of all the, the Trails games, and outside of Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers, and I, I did... Uh, I got Death Stranding. I've been playing Death Stranding. It's so. Okay. How do you it, feel about it? <laughs> it's honestly, uh, I, I don't know how I feel about the story because the story is really slow and weird in a you know typical Kojima fashion. Like if you play a Kojima game, like th- this is him being uh, weird and and pseudo uh, you know uh, uh, pseudo uh, like unpenetrable sci-fi bullshit so i don't know i don't know story-wise uh i really like just exploring the world um and and maybe a good deal of that is simply because it uses the the engine from horizon um which i love so very very much uh it's beautiful to walk around in yeah so i'm enjoying the world and i'm enjoying uh aspects of the gameplay so but i'm i'm like i'm I'm still kind of like jury is out on it like i want to keep playing it so that's you know a good thing but um i need to i need to like i guess beat it before i can really like come down on it's good it's bad it's okay it's kojima or he was gonna say it sounds like it's gonna be like what the hell did i just experience I've, there's already been some kind of like wtf moments and from what i hear i haven't even seen anything yet so like we'll see i i i haven't played it up. Uh, I haven't gotten as far as I would have liked to because I uh, traveled for Thanksgiving, so I had to take a break. And then when I got back, I was really distracted by a bunch of things and wasn't playing a lot to begin with um, for like the week or week or two after I got back. Um, but I'm on it again, and I'll, I'm going to try and get it finished before the end of the year so that I can finally play other games. All these awesome <laughs> games that came out like. I I bought Fire Emblem Three Houses. It's sitting on my Switch, and I have not booted it up because I did not have time to play it back when I bought it, and I didn't want to start playing it now when I'm working through another game because that never works out well for me. Trying to juggle like aside from like Final Fantasy XIV, which is easy to juggle because I'm mostly just doing like high end content. It never worked well for me when I try to juggle two actual like story based games. So I'm gonna I'm gonna beat it gets all muddled. I'm gonna beat Death Stranding and then try to start Three Houses. But uh, there's so many other games that I passed on. I'm almost in the I'm almost in it. the opposite situation from Caitlin because I'm trying to finish some 2018 and 2019 games before the end of the year so I could get back to Trails and Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, so, but. Mm-hmm. My if 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 the question is what was my favorite gaming experience, not going to surprise anyone, but 
playing through all the the trails games like actually finally you know i i say forcing myself but in the end i've really enjoyed the time i spent with them playing the uh the sky trilogy uh playing zero and owl despite you know kind of uh laughable uh fan translations just having get being able to have the the whole experience and see you know the things i'd missed because i you know didn't think i would get into them or didn't have time uh for them um i'm i'm grateful that i that i made myself do that because it's like i think i mentioned before it's made me even into even more of a of a fan of the series i'm now i now think of myself as like a you know i'm a i'm a i'm a mega fan i'm a super fan not necessarily in the sense that i like am all-knowing super fan but like i'm just super there for trails now it's become one of my favorite series of, of rpgs just you know in general so that would that would be it and you know like i said i didn't really play much else so it kind of had to be trails yeah. so well i'll be coming to you when i break into the series finally that's for sure yeah based on your in-depth knowledge but this leads me into i guess what my next thing question is just to follow up to this as we finish out the episode is uh, an idea that Mike gave us at the beginning of, uh, based on what they've been talking about in retro, just what are your resolutions for next year? Because it sounded like you had a resolution to be like, I'm going to get through all the Trails games before I get to three. So that was probably a big undertaking as it was and why it dominated so much for your year. So um, we'll go in reverse order, starting with you, Caitlin. Like, what's your resolution for 2020 gaming-wise? doesn't have to be current or past or whatever, but yeah, what do you what do you want to accomplish next year for gaming? Uh, mainly I just want to find time if I can, it's going to be kind of hard in spring <laughs> to find time, uh, to play some of the games that I had to pass on earlier this year because I was so, uh, focused on, on Kiseki. Like, uh, I want to play AI something unfiled. I, I want to, I want to play three houses really badly. Um, I also, I've been meaning to do this and I don't know when it's going to happen. This is something that may not happen until late next year. I need to play Devil May Cry. I need oh, to play the entire you've series. You've come to the right place. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's something I want to do. Um, I also really wanted to try out the uh, the Resident Evil remakes, um, since we've been seeing a lot of news about Resident Evil uh, 3 uh, remake uh, in the last uh, couple weeks. Um there's no way I'm going to get all that done because because like March, <laughs> so March, nice. April, May is a madhouse of like, holy crap, you know, uh, uh, between Final Fantasy VII Remake and Cyberpunk and then The Last of Us Part yeah. Two and uh, I think Cold Steel 3 on, well, I, I don't, no, not Cold Steel 3. Um, well, Cold Steel 3 on Switch does come out next year. Is it is it in March? I, I think I think they said spring, but I don't, I don't know if we have a month yet. There's another game that's coming out in March. Final that Fantasy VII I... remake. You said already. Uh... Yeah. I oh, what an, it was, Animal, Animal Crossing. Is that March or May? <laughs> no. Okay. Sorry. But I am excited for that yeah. myself. But that's a different story. Well, uh, in about a few minutes, yeah, we're going to quickly turn this over into Capcom Encounter, mm. where Mike Excellent. will school you on Devil right. May Cry. Yes, teach me, sen- uh, teach me, Senpai. The uh, proper order to play them is first three, then one, then forget two exists, then four, then five. And uh, then you can play the Ninja Theory one is an optional choice. But yeah, Devil May Cry 5 is excellent. It's only about, it's only around nine or ten hours. So you probably could finagle it in there somewhere, Caitlin. But it's a, I, I really, really enjoyed Devil May Cry 5. It was one of my favorite games of the year. But this isn't really this That's really awesome. isn't Capcom Encounter, so uh, <laughs> no, maybe <it's> <laughs> that'll all get cut out. 
Nah, I like it. I am going to resolve to finish Fire Emblem Three Houses. I really liked getting into it back when I played it for uh, review capture and such. But like yourself, Caitlin, just other things came up. Other priorities had to push the game aside. So that's one of my biggest things I am uh, I'm really wanting to accomplish next year. And oh, oh, sorry. Yep, Persona, so 5, Persona 5 Royale is in March. That's oh, the that other okay, March game course, I was thinking yeah. of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's going to be a big deal. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just looking at my phone because it was bugging me. Like, I know it's <laughs> I another March game that is. I really wanted to play. What is it? It's okay. Yeah. I uh, I have no interest in uh, Persona for whatever reason. I feel like I will eventually get to them, but it's just never been on my radar. But uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses is basically, I guess, that kind of. I uh, yeah, there's a lot of Persona DNA in in Fire Emblem, but I, I mean, I would also say that about uh, Trails of Cold Steel because the yeah um, the, the Persona sort of social link element, right. I think, influenced a lot of the school life stuff in Cold Trails of Cold Steel. Nice and 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 Fire and, and Fire yeah. Emblem Three Houses. Yep. Well, they, exactly, and uh, yeah, so that's my biggest thing I want to undertake, and I am looking forward to. Uh, re-experiencing new trials of mana with uh, Gwen and possibly best friend Pat if they have online play. I'm excited to hear more details as that grows, but it's shaping up to be a pretty solid This will game. not shock you, but I am but... also interested in that. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, not shocked at all. It's Janu- It's Was it January it's slated for? Uh, no, April. Oh, it's April. Okay. Uh, happy birthday yeah, to January, me. Uh, I, my 2020 is planned out pretty early on. Uh, 20, uh, April, well, back it up a little bit. January is the remake of Tokyo Mirage Sessions, hashtag, yes. hashtag FE. Then, in, then yes. in March, we have the Final Fantasy VII remake, which I'm very excited for since demoing it at E3. And then April is the Trials of Mana remake. So those are three remakes that are going to dominate the first half of my 2020. The first half of the year is just so ridiculous. Like, oh, February yeah. is the only month where there isn't something big, I think. That, or rather... Let me amend. It's the only month where there isn't something on my radar at the at present. Yeah, it, um, I'm sure there's something somebody cares about. Some yeah, sort of it, Fortnite yeah, something, something, something I'm forgetting. Know. But um, 2020 already looks pretty, uh, pretty juicy, and I'm excited. Yes. Well, to that end, Mike, what is your uh, resolution for next year? Um, sure. Uh, I think one. I, there's a couple of backlog games I'm targeting. Uh, a couple of which you've already mentioned. Uh, Trails of Cold Steel 2 and Near Automata are two of them. Uh, Zelda Majora's Mask is one of them because I've been avoiding playing that game for 15 years or longer. Uh, it's it's oh, uh, I'm a big Zelda fan, but I haven't played more than an hour of that, even though I own it in two different forms. So that's that's something I want to knock out. And for stuff that comes out in 2020, uh, yeah, uh, well, no, we did two episodes on Majora's Mask in 2017. Um, oh yeah, but uh, but Trails of Cold Steel and Near Automata, maybe I don't know. That that's something worth thinking about. Um, but the uh, uh, for things that are maybe 2020 hopes that I'm not 100% certain of, um, East Nine Monstrum Knox came out in Japan in September of this year, and I really would like that to receive a worldwide localization. And if East Nine comes out in uh, in North America in 2020, you bet your ass I'm pre-ordering that thing. So I, uh, I that's that that's one I would be excited for, but I can't say I'm 100% certain it's coming out. That's fair. Oh, and and the the one other one I was thinking of, um, oh shoot, I'm drawing a blank now. Oh no, now not anymore. Bravely Default Two. Yes. yes, that was that was announced at the uh, at the Game Awards uh, a, a few weekends ago, depending on when this episode comes out. 
And I and yeah, I'm a huge uh-huh. fan of Bravely Default and Bravely Second. It's uh the story is cute, the class system is dope, the uh the mechanics of battle are very cool ideas of surrounding ter- regular turn-based combat. It's a Final Fantasy in all but name because there's white there's oh, so white white mages, game. black mages, phoenix sounds, all that jazz. Yeah. It's I love great. the first two. I even wrote the RPG fan review of Bravely Second, and I uh, I'm really excited for Bravely Default Two. And I think they basically confirmed it's 2020 worldwide. So that's another one that that's mm-hmm. another one that uh, right up there yes. right up there with East Nine is like as soon as I hear a release date, I am I am gonna budget around that month. Did you do Four Warriors of Light as well? I which is basically the yeah of it that's all? basically Bravely Zero and um. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I played through about half of it. I, uh, I, I, it was a borrowed copy. I don't own it, but uh, it, it didn't 100% grab me. But Bravely Default did, and I, uh, I. It's it's very baby's first RPG. That's yeah, sure. well, it gets kind of too hard to be baby's first RPG. But by it, that's weird. That's the weird thing about it. Yeah, it ran. Yeah, up. by the time I stopped playing, it was like, oh, this this game got challenging all of a sudden. But uh, no, I, I yeah. yeah, I'm stuck on the final boss myself. Yeah, but um, I even though I don't have a lot of attachment to Four Heroes of Light, I am very attached to Bravely Default and Bravely Second and Bravely Default Two, third game in the series. It has two at the end. It's weird. I know. Uh, I'm, I'm, and they, I mean, the way that they are weird and subversive about end game and how they treat things like new game plus and multiple playthroughs, like there, they might even, there might be a story justification for why it's bravely default two and not bravely third or, or, or bravely second, second, uh, squared. Cause it's not a, a working title either. No, so. no, that's the official title. Yeah. yeah. Th- th- this isn't yeah. like uh project Octopath Traveler becoming regular Octopath Traveler. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but what I, a shocker yeah, that one I'm, was! I'm very exactly. I'm really excited to see how that one turns out. So yeah, uh, on the hopeful side, East Nine. On the more solid ground side, Bravely Default Two. Those are those are two of my ex- like, and, and then also on the backlog side, Majora's Majora's Mask and Nier Automata and Trails of Cold Steel Two. That's a lot of my 2020 already. So uh, thank you, you for go. indulging me. I just picture them. I just picture them looking at the Octopath Traveler, like the whiteboard, and just being like, "Well, we got this, or we got eight people walking." Let's just keep it Octopath Traveler. Uh, for me, my hope is uh, we finally get an FFT War of the Lions Steam port. That's my my hope for 2020. I want that. Please, uh, please do it. Just give me give me War of the Lions on a big screen mm-hmm. without the PSP slowdown. Yeah, exactly. And Caitlin, what's your what do you what's your wild speculation dream hope for 2020? Oh. Um, I mean, I feel like what it is based on our earlier conversation, but I mean, I I really want Cold Steel Four to come out next fall, and I really I think there's a good chance oh, that yeah, it will. Right. Um, based on like how, uh, based on how Falcom has licensed their games in the past, and kind of trying to figure out when did Nisa probably start working on Cold Steel Three, I think it's certainly doable that it comes out at the end of next year, if not early 2021. But that's that's something I really want. Um, the other thing I'm super psyched about, like it's confirmed for 2020, so it's not like a you know big hope. But I just want Xenoblade Chronicles uh, definitive. I want I want Xenoblade Chronicles in glorious HD. Yeah, I might have to rebuy that. Oh, um, I'm oh, really mad at myself. I am pre-ordering that. If I probably already could pre-order it on Amazon, but like I'm 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 that's day one. That's going in my Switch, and I am playing it day one. There you go. I want to make some sort of like three-way wager now as to which speculation will come true, but I feel like you're just going to win with Cold Steel 4 because I feel like that seems very likely. Yeah. <laughs> Much more likely than me getting my wish. Uh, 
But at any rate, on that note, uh, listeners, please, you know, you can email me at podcast at rpgfan.com and you can tell me all the things that you wildly speculate about for the coming year, what you get up to with Christmas. Uh, I like hearing from you folks. You're all pretty nice, to be honest. And uh, we all like to be just as approachable. So send us your emails. Uh, if you don't want to send emails, keep listening to the podcast. You can also listen to Retro Encounter. What's what's on the docket, Mike, for Retro coming into the holidays? Uh, sure. We have our special year-end episode that we uh, that we record every year. And um, after that, we are doing an episode on the PlayStation in early January. Uh, an, a spoiler cast of my game of the year, AI The Somnium Files, also in early January. And then I will not be on these episodes. We're doing two episodes on Suikoden 5 in the second half of January. So, and that was the response to a fan poll. So uh, I know that at least, at least nice. some portion of our fans are excited to, talk, to hear us talk about Suikoden 5. I'm not sure what Eric and Hat have going on over at the Phoenix Edge podcast, but you can listen to them. I'm sure they're going to have some sort of rundown of everything that's happened in the year in review. And finally, uh, if you're missing RPG music and need to uh, be exposed to it from four years ago, I guess, three years ago. I don't know how long it's been now, but go listen to Rhythm Encounter. Let it know it still is loved. And uh, look forward to, I guess, our Music of the Year feature when it comes up because uh, that'll have a lot of hot takes from this year, too. Yeah, we have Game of the Year that should be out by the time this comes out or close to it, then Music of the Year, then probably a most anticipated of 2020, then probably something else. There's There's always something going on in the main site. And all of you fans, there's the, the Fans' Choice Awards, too. Reader's Choice, yeah. That's another yeah. thing as well. So, uh, send so go vote. Yes, actually, wait a second. Will this be up before the voting ends? Uh, I'm not certain. Uh, it's uh, You better it's have voted in the week. past, okay? Or you better have a time machine. I feel like voting might be done by the next week, right? So hopefully you voted. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We, we got there. Uh, at any rate, folks, thank you so much for listening. Have a great holiday season. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, everything that happens in this time of year. I'm sure I'm missing something, and I'm sorry if I offend. Either way, whatever you celebrate, enjoy being with family, friends, and the people that you love. Have a great new year for myself, for Caitlin, for Mike. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye now.